Welcome back to the Learning Reinvented podcast brought to you by myself, James Politilo. And Katie Godden from The Learning Effect. There are lots of learning podcasts out there, so we wanted to do something slightly different. We're continuing with the Selecting Learning Technology series. In the first episode, we discuss the things you need to think about before you start looking at learning tech. This is the second episode of the series where we'll look at some practical steps to take when choosing learning tech. So Katie, before we get into the things you should do when selecting learning tech, let's start with some of the common mistakes that people might make during that process. When selecting learning tech, it's really easy to make mistakes. One of the big ones is copying others. So it's natural to go and look at what other industries similar to yours are doing. Um, but that might not necessarily be the right path for your business because they might have uh, different business objectives and a different learning culture. And often vendors actually come to you with case studies that are similar to yours. Say, for example, you're in hospitality. They'll bring you all their hospitality customers and show you what they're doing. But again, coming back to your business objectives, that might be slightly different. So it might not necessarily fit your business. When putting in learning tech, you often have certain teams that are doing that. So you might have your learning team, your IT team, your compliance team, and often they lead with how does the system work for them? But generally, they're the smallest population. So you need to think end user first because they need to be the ones that find it easy to use as opposed to your admins. They can be the ones that struggle a little bit more than, than your end users because otherwise you won't get the engagement that you want. It's really tempting to try and digitise your current offer. So if you've got lots of face to face content or PowerPoint decks, you might want systems that have Zoom integrations or can easily flip your PowerPoint decks into SCORM content. But this might not actually be right to what you're trying to achieve. So try to avoid that and look at different options for content creation or content formats. Don't design for specific groups of people without having their input. So it might be easy to assume what those types of people, for example, younger people or older people want, but that might not actually be the case. Get those people involved with you and then you'll actually be supplying the right sort of content for them. When it comes to content, you might want to start with loads of pieces of content available for, for all of your population. And you might even have vendors come to you to say that they've got an off the shelf solution for you that you can easily plug into your learning system. And although that's really tempting to do, that might not be the right approach because you might end up overwhelming your people. They might not know where to start. The content might not be the right pitch for them, so it might not be at the right level. A better place to start might be looking at your business objectives and what you're trying to achieve with your learning strategy. You can then focus your content at those areas and those people because then you'll start to meet your business objectives a lot quicker. I think that's a really great point, Katie, because it's so tempting when you're putting in learning systems just to put in loads of content and that creates pressure on everyone. It creates pressure on your budget, on your learning team to get lots of content in and your end users. And sometimes just taking that step back and, and following your, your business plan can really help. I really liked what you talked about as well in terms of being focused on the end user. So I remember in one of my roles where the learning admin team really wanted one system, but as a business, we actually went with the system that was going to cause them more work. But in essence, that was five people's extra work, but the user experience then for the five to 6,000 people in the business was far better. 
So I think you've got to follow what's right for your business, not necessarily what's right always for the individual stakeholders in the project, but it's, you've got to look at the bigger picture. So we started with the common mistakes you might make when selecting learning technology. So let's move on now to look at the steps you will take to make the right decisions for you in your business. So you're going to go through a process of start your starting point having your purpose set which we talked about earlier in the podcast and on our last episode and from there you then want to be able to navigate the thousands of different providers out there to get down to your perfect system or number of systems that are going to work for you in your business so to start that process people are going to want to know how do i narrow that thousand down so an obvious starting point might be to go out there and look at comparison sites or start to read reviews that people have put online. But just as some of the points you raised before, Katie, those reviews are not always going to be helpful because it's slightly different to maybe a TripAdvisor or Airbnb where a B&B or a hotel room are quite standard things that you can understand and you can understand whether you want to be in the city or have a swimming pool. Um, but when you get down to learning tech, there can be hundreds and hundreds of different features that aren't common to understand and can be quite jargonistic and mean very different things to different people. But going through those lists, it can cause more confusion than it's worth. One thing we've seen a lot in our work with customers is someone will go and find a list of criteria online, often from one of those comparison sites. And they will just put that straight into their criteria. So you will have a list of 100 criteria that must be met for the business. And when you start to speak to the business and go, why have you got that particular criteria in? They can't necessarily answer the question. And I think that's what makes it such a confusing place to be, that there's so many different features and functionality that aren't readily understood by everyone. Trying to look for something that will match all of those is not a great place to start. What we'd recommend is going back to what you're trying to achieve. So for each of those businesses, it will be three or four core things that are critical to the success of their business, whether that is the ability to onboard people into the business quicker, whether it is for people to be able to collaborate and share knowledge, whether it's be able to ensure compliance and safety of your teams, whether it's about driving sales in a particular area. And if you pull back to those things that's going to be really critical to your business and you need to be able to enable, those are the things you should lead with when you're starting to think about which learning tech you're looking for. So rather than lead with features, talk about the outcomes that you as a business need. And then you can start to look at which of those tools out there really deliver those outcomes and benefits. Also, when looking at the market, it's important to remain quietly cynical about what you're seeing. So I think looking at each solution, try to understand what it is they've really achieved. So many vendors will put out there and talk about amazing results, but their results may not be linked back to business performance. They're often about we had 3000 people log into the system in our first week, or we've got hundreds of daily users. If that's not going to drive what you actually want to achieve as a business, are those the things you should be looking for? Also, 
it may not be that any one system is completely perfect for you. So beware of anything that does sound too good to be true. And we'll talk in a little bit about how you do actually approach those vendors to make sure that you are getting the right choice. The other thing that Katie touched upon earlier is ensuring that you involve everyone that should be involved across the business because you are not a learning team putting in a bit of learning technology that is for you. This is for your business, for your end users, for your learners, for your employees or whoever that happens to be. But there is also going to be potential crossover with your communications teams, your compliance teams, your operations teams, your IT team. So you need to ensure that you get those people involved in the project as early as possible. And that can be quite difficult to manage because all of those people will have different agendas that they're bringing to the table. But trying to get those agendas out and agree what you are trying to achieve through this as a common goal can help you to not have problems occur later on in your project where you might have gone through a process, looked at 10, 15, 20 suppliers, been through multiple demos, at which point you bring in the IT team who then say, actually your selection doesn't work because it hasn't covered this key business criteria. So get people involved early in the process, try to draw out from them those critical things that must happen for it to work in your business and then involve them in that journey. So get them to be part of your core team. So Katie, we've, we've talked a, a little bit about what you do in terms of looking at the wider market, getting a set of people internally bought into your process. Your next stage is you're going to start talking to vendors. What should people be doing when they do approach vendors to make sure that that is a positive relationship and they get great outcomes? So I think before you approach any of your vendors, you need to be clear on the vision and what you're trying to achieve. So again, go back to that purpose, go back to your business objectives and ensure that that's all aligned and use some of the things that you've talked about. Have a great list that's bespoke to your business um, ensure you've got your stakeholders involved, etc. before you approach any of your vendors, because otherwise you are going to get bombarded with lots of emails you don't necessarily want. When you do start approaching them and you're actually talking to people, make sure you ask questions. It's really easy for you to let the vendor kind of lead the conversation, but they're just going to tell you the bits that they want you to know. Um, and they're not going to, without you asking any questions, you're not going to understand the, the product in any more depth. Don't take what vendors are saying for face value either. So when they are talking about their systems, etc., they're going to tell you about all the bells and whistles and everything that's great, which is fine. They're salespeople as well. Ask for demos and sandboxes so you can actually test the system for yourselves. So if the vendor has actually listened to you and understands your vision and has understood the questions you've asked, they should be able to create a demo and a sandbox environment um, so you can actually test that out and you can see it for yourself based on what you're looking for. You should also try and speak to other customers so they don't necessarily have to be from the same industry as you, but they could be current customers that have maybe recently implemented or are further along in their journey and ask what their experience is like on all aspects from purchasing to using the product, the support they get, etc. You need to build strong relationships with vendors. So it's not that you're just buying into the person or the system, you're buying into the whole experience. 
So you need to ensure the system's right for your business and will meet your business objectives. But you also need to ensure that the vendor and that supplier is actually suited and has the right culture for you as well. I think it's important to add, Katie, that when you are dealing with vendors or you're working with vendors, it's really important to be as honest and open as you can be, because sometimes you might want to present a very good view of your business, but be honest with them, because unless you're building a joint working relationship and they really understand what your challenges are, what your business is like to operate in and what you're trying to achieve, they can't partner with you to help ensure that you deliver a solution that's going to work well for them and well for you. And it is important on both sides because the last thing a vendor wants is an unhappy client. They've signed up to a one or three year relationship with a new system and that's the last thing you want as well. So that working relationship is critical and that level of honesty. So you've seen lots of vendors now. How do you go about making that final decision? I know we're labouring the point a little bit, but it all comes back to that initial vision. So if you've got your vision right and you've got your key criteria right, you should be in a place where you can understand which of those vendors is going to enable you to work towards your business objectives in the most effective way. You will through that process have seen that maybe there's no perfect vendor. Maybe there are some gaps and you might have to get a bit creative with how you achieve some of those things but it's understanding you are on a journey with those people and things will change over time. So making sure that vendor is also not just right for now, but for that growth over the next 6, 12, 18 months or whatever your timelines are. The other thing to think about is you're then going to start thinking about how much you want to pay and are you going to get that return on investment? And it may be that cost leads your selection quite early on because there is a huge disparity in different costs of vendors. Some could be in the millions or hundreds of thousands and others will be a lot less than that. And it's under important to understand why that might be. So often if you're buying a massive system, you might be paying for everything. But for your business case, you might only need to use 10, 15, 20% of that system. Now that might lead you to go, maybe I shouldn't go with that vendor, but it might be that you can buy a package or a smaller part of that system and grow into that system as you build. Or it might be that actually there's no point buying that system because you are paying for 80% of a system that you won't ever use or you won't use for two or three years. So this is a point to start thinking about where the cost is, where the return of investment and how that system will work with you. It's also important to remember that you don't buy a system in isolation. So if you're going to put in a new system or switch out from an old system to a different system, you need to think about that might change the requirements in your team. You might find that there's less of an admin burden or more of an admin burden on your team due to the system you've picked. There might be a requirement for your managers to engage in a different way. And you need to think about how that system will be fully embedded into your business. And are you creating costs that you don't see or challenges with buy-in that you don't see beyond the implementation of the system? Another important thing we've seen on projects we've supported with and run when we were in-house was that you can go in and, and find organisations bought a new system to replace two or three other systems 
but you go back in a couple of years later and they rather than go from three systems to one, they've now gone from the original three systems plus a new system because they've never quite made the transition across. And that's part of your role in terms of driving that through is having not just an initial launch project, but an ongoing project and strategy to ensure that you are continually driving that improvement, consolidating systems as you go, improving your business performance and improving the user experience as well. So to summarise, we've looked at the things you should and shouldn't do when you're selecting your learning tech, from talking to vendors to actually getting to the point to implement. In the next episode, we'll be looking at how you can implement your learning tech in a bit more detail. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Learning Reinvented podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. You can register to join the Learning Effect community. The link to do so is in the show notes below. If you've not already done so, please follow our podcast. And if the Learning Effect can help you and your organisation, please do get in touch. You can find both James and Katie on LinkedIn and our contact details are in the show notes below.